Well, we come to <clears throat> chapter 30 in the Confession on the Lord's Supper. We saw the introduction to this uh, uh, a couple weeks ago in chapter uh, 28 as it laid out a baptism in the Lord's Supper. But as we think about the Lord's Supper, uh, 1 Corinthians 11 is uh, often the passage we turn to. And look at verse 26 on the screen with me. Let's read it out loud together. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We remember uh, the Lord's death each time we take of uh, the Lord's Supper. And uh, this is a, a fairly lengthy uh, chapter. We're looking, and it's not a typo, we're looking at paragraph 1 and 3 tonight. We're skipping paragraph 2 because it's a bit much to try to uh, tackle paragraph 1 and 2 in one night. But look at paragraph 1 with me on the screen. It said, The supper of the Lord Jesus was instituted by him the same night wherein he was betrayed to be observed in his churches unto the end of the world for the perpetual remembrance and showing to all the world the sacrifice of himself and his death, confirmation of the faith of believers in all the benefits thereof, their spiritual nourishment and growth in him, their further engagement in and to all the duties which they owe to him, and to be a bond and a pledge of their communion with him and with each other. When we think of the Lord's Supper, we need to see that it's not just some ritual that we do, uh, that there's a purpose and that there's a meaning behind it. We see Christ instituted it or he established it on the night he was betrayed. That last night, Jesus himself I'm getting a little ahead of myself, uh, said with fervent desire in Luke twenty two fifteen, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. There was a desire in his, in his uh, person to have this last supper with them, to share this, To share this meal with them. And you think about what are the last words of a dying person? What are the, the things that they leave behind? And this was what he said in order. The, the things that we have opportunity to say before our death are the things that are probably the most dear to us. And should cause us to stop and to say, hey, this is important. These are some of Jesus' last words before he went to the cross. And it was on that last night that he established this. Not before, not, not after, but just before. Do we, do we see that and do we remember the, the, the scene in which that was taking place? Judas was in the process of betraying him. And he says, I long to take of this meal with you. And it is there on that night he established this ordinance that we follow. 
As we've seen on, uh, on the last week as well, that the, that the context or the location that is to be where the Lord's Supper takes place is in the local church. Acts 2, uh, 41 and 42, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers, that, that phrase there, the breaking of bread, is that of the Lord's Supper. It was their pattern as the church gathered to practice this. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, when he tries to bring correction, you're coming together, but you're coming together wrongly. It's when the church gathers together. And in Christ's command, he says, that we are to do it until he comes, until he comes again. Again, Luke twenty five sixteen. notice Jesus says, With fervent desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Matthew Recording, he says, uh, he quotes Jesus in Matthew 26, 29. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. We, we see that, that the Lord's Supper is a time that we are to look back at the death of Christ. We are to look inward to examine ourselves and we look ahead at Christ's return. As uh, I forget who it was, said, we come humbly and broken because of our sin to the Lord's Supper, and we should leave with joy and expectation, being reminded of what has taken place. That, that it's a joy that we should be reminded of. And Jesus says we are to do this in remembrance of him. There is a, a uh, number, uh, kids, if you're following along, number four, the reasons for the Lord's Supper. Number one, a perpetual remembrance, a continual reminder. But the question I asked myself when I was thinking through this is, because we do it every week, do I start to check out mentally? Hey, this is just another thing that we do. Or am I conscientiously thinking about what am I doing? What is this for? What is the purpose of this? We saw in this morning how Asaph and Moses commended the people to not forget. And this is Jesus' own way of doing that. I'm setting in place this. Don't forget that this happens. The things in our life that often shape us and impact us are the things that we don't forget. To always be living in light of this, Jesus says, be remembering this. It was a perpetual remembrance, but it was also a perpetual showing of sacrifice. Now those words are chosen carefully. It's not a continual sacrifice, meaning over and over again. We'll look at that on next week. But it's a perpetual showing of the sacrifice to remember what Christ did. To be reminded that he literally bled. 
He literally died. His flesh was torn. This is my body which is broken for you. It's graphic. And it should cause us to take a little step back and go, wait, this this isn't just figurative speech. Jesus is speaking of what would be really happening. And we look back and are reminded that it really did happen. That Jesus suffered and he died. But that perpetual showing of a sacrifice that took place should lead our hearts toward gratitude and remembering that the sacrifice was paid. And it should lead to that third thing that the confession says, that there should be a confirmation of our faith. That we don't have to wonder, well, did Jesus really take the penalty for sin? Was was that just something that maybe was a little vague in Scripture? No, it's very clear that Christ suffered and he died. And as a result of that, we are reminded of Jesus' words, it is finished. That the payment is paid in full for sin. And we can turn to the cross and find full atonement. As that great hymn says, full atonement, how can it be? Hallelujah, what a Savior. It should lead us to have a confirmation of our faith that it's not just in some wishful thinking or, a, or trying to build an assurance in our own confidence in our own flesh. You speak to somebody from another religion, you say, do you know that you are going to heaven? And they say, I don't. Where is our confirmation It's in the finished work of Christ. It's not in ourselves. And it should cause us to have a stronger faith. And as a result, there should be a spiritual nourishment. Because He accomplished it. He did it. He died, He's risen, and He has ascended and is coming again. That our hope is not in ourselves. Sometimes we can fall into the trap of thinking, well, the gospel is just a good news at the beginning of our salvation. The gospel is the good news for our salvation, period. To be reminded of what Christ did. To think of the ramifications and to live in light of those amazing truths of what Christ accomplished. The confession says... It says, uh, most of the way through it, their, their further engagement in and to all the duties which they owe to him. It's interesting, Jesus says, this do in remembrance of me. There's that command, but that command should also be a reminder that Jesus had other commands that he's called us to. And it's not just the duty of this, but there, that the, the regular practice of the Lord's Supper should be, be reminding us of Wait, this isn't the only thing that Christ laid out for us to walk in. And then lastly, it shows our bond with Christ and with each other. That was the the thing we saw a few weeks ago when we looked at biblical fellowship or biblical community, that our union and our identity is in Christ. It's not, uh, our, our unity is not 
on this horizontal level, though we have similarities, our unity as brothers and sisters, our brothers and sisters, what? In Christ. And as we partake of the Lord's Supper, we are reminded that our unity is because of what we are remembering. Our unity is the fact that he is the bread of life. Again, the instructions for the Lord's Supper are in 1 Corinthians 11, but think of Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 10. He says, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. Do we think about the unity that we have in Christ as we partake of the Lord's Supper each week? Look at paragraph 3. And this is just talking more about the practical or the mode of the Lord's Supper and how it takes place. It says, The Lord Jesus hath in this ordinance appointed his ministers to pray and bless the elements of the bread and wine. Again, it says, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. So following the example of Christ, we pray and ask the blessing upon it, giving thanksgiving for what Christ had done. And thereby to set them apart from a common to a holy use. And to take and to break the bread, to take the cup. And they, meaning the appointed ministers, communicating, not uh, I, I looked that up. I was trying to think, what does this word communicating? And you look it up in the dictionary and you think, okay, one person speaking and to another. But it's also used in, um, and maybe those of you who have maybe have had a, a Catholic background, uh, you think of the word communion or the, it's a togetherness and involvement in it. So what's, what's being said here in paragraph 3 is that the minister is not set apart somewhere here and then the people are over here, but together we are taking it. Do you see that importance that we as the body of Christ, there's not a, a hierarchy here, there's not one set apart, but together this do all of us in remembrance of him. And that communicating also themselves to give both to the communicants. So we all take it together. There's the blessing following the example of Christ. That this bread and this wine, this juice, is without which we use in a unique way. It is not holy itself, but it is used for a holy use. Notice the terminology there. And we take it together. Now different people have different ways of, of partaking it. And it caused me to think about, I, I've been at some churches where they encourage people uh, at their own um, timing to walk up and to take the elements. But I think the picture of us all taking at one time is that reminder of we are together in the body of Christ. It's maybe it's nitpicking. I, I wouldn't critique poorly, but I, I think the emphasis of let's take together is a great reminder of hey, this is our unity together. 
that we are saved as individuals, but as we are saved, we are saved into a corporate body that takes this together. And what a great blessing it is that we take it together and that we have this reminder. Though in Scripture we do not have a direct command as to how often we are to take it, we do see the command to take it. We do see the regular observance of the church taking it. And our practical application of that is when we gather on the Lord's day to remember his death and to proclaim it, to proclaim that death until he comes. What a great joy it is that we get to do this together and to look forward to that time where the marriage supper of the Lamb will then replace. We will have that great feast in heaven, no longer doing in remembrance, but be doing it with and observing that great time together. I pray that as we move through these next paragraphs It causes us to think through how we are responding and how we are engaging our minds when we take the Lord's Supper each Lord's Day. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the reminder of what Christ accomplished. For our hope is not in our own strength. It's not in our pursuit. But Lord, it is completely in the finished work of Christ that he humbled himself and he became obedient even to the point of death, even death on a cross. That it was the will of you to crush him so that in our place he would stand. That the guilty would be proclaimed innocent as the innocent was proclaimed guilty. Lord, I pray that you would guard us from just going through motions as we take the Lord's Supper each week. That each week it would be a, a reminder of the gravity of our sin. But that we would leave with renewed hope and the reminder of the forgiveness of sins that is accomplished in Christ. That we would walk in the newness of life. That we would share the hope of salvation with those around us. Father, we ask for your your work in our lives that even through the the partaking of the Lord's Supper that it would be a, a means by which you grow us and that our hearts would overflow with gratitude. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.